Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. Today, we're talking about God's Big Ten in this series. We're going to talk about commandments number six and number nine, and they're all about you and I valuing life. We're going to talk about the value of life. Now, when I was young, right around 17, I grew up traditional church in a Catholic church. Right around 17, I began to drive, so I told, would tell mom, whatever service they weren't going to, I would go to that one. I'd drive, pick up the bullet, and see what priest was saying to mass. And then I'd drive around smoking, because my mom wouldn't let me smoke. Then I'd go home, told her who said mass, and say it was great. And uh, so, so I, I walked away from God during that time, but then when I was 18, I had a brother a year and a half older, and he died in a drowning accident. And I became even more bitter with God and went into a deeper darkness. And at that time in my life, I was getting high every night, uh, just about every night. And my brother Tony and I owned a, a, a gym in, in Boardman. So in order to buy my drugs, I had to go into the inner city where no one would know me. But then it was really dangerous. So I bought a gun on the streets, hot, which took about two seconds. And uh, so now I have a 38 Special and I'm carrying it in my pocket. I have no concealed carry. I don't even know if they had concealed carry back then. And then I'm beginning, I'm just crazy. And they say when you do drugs that your, your development is arrested right when you started. And, and for guys, they say that the part of our brain that helps us understand consequences, it's not fully developed till we're 25. And so, you know, I look back and say, how dumb was I? And well, my brain wasn't fully developed and, and I was doing drugs. So. Uh, that's going on in my life, and at that point in my life, I had no value for human life, and if my brother Tony wasn't with me, and if he didn't pull me out of situations, I would have either shot someone or been shot, and I'm so thankful for him, and uh, I'm so thankful for the grace of God and the hand of God on my life, and I think back of what could have happened, but I share that story to tell you, during that time in my life, I didn't value human life, and, and then when I accepted Christ, it was amazing what happened when I accepted Christ. I accepted him, and you know how the Bible says the love of God is poured out into our hearts? It, it changed me, and all of a sudden, I had this love, and I had this uh, appreciation for other people and for their lives, and I'll never forget, I took that gun apart the next day, and I threw a piece of it out, from, driving from Boardman to Howland on the highway, just threw a piece in the middle on the grass all the way home uh, because I couldn't sell it. But I remember grabbing my pipe and breaking it and throwing all the marijuana and flushing it down the toilet and everything else I had and, and just walking away and beginning to serve Christ. And God has a way of bringing us to a place, even if we're Christians and we fall away, he can bring us back to a place where he floods us with his life. And that's the grace of God. But now I understand the value of life and I want to help us see what God has to say about why a human life is so valuable. So we're, we'll look at these two commandments. The first is uh, number six, and it reads like this, Exodus 20, 13, you must not murder. And some translations say you must not kill, which brings a lot of confusion because the Hebrew word literally means to murder. There's another word that means to kill. And we'll talk about the difference between murder, the difference between killing, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take a look at that and look it over today. But just the other day on Route 11, you had the police following someone. They got out of their car and began to shoot at the police, and the shoot, police had to shoot back to protect themselves, and that person died. Uh, 
that would not be considered murder. And we'll talk about that. I'll help you understand the difference between the two. And uh, here's, here's the ninth commandment. It says in verse 16, you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. And you might wonder why I brought these two together. Well, lying under oath about somebody else and causing them to go to jail or be punished is murdering their reputation. And the principle works for both. And I want to help you walk out of here today understanding how to value a human life and why it's wrong to murder and also cover other areas connected to that. And it's always good to go back to the beginning. Human life is priceless in God's eyes. And here's why. Take a look at this, guys. Genesis 1, 26, 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And I know we live in a society today that wants us to believe, you know, we were part of a pre-mortal, you know, stew and an explosion happened or we came from an amoeba. And, and I know I'm not a brainiac, but I remember when I was, listen to this, a senior in high school, and I told you how bad I was at that time. I remember sitting in a class where they're teaching evolution. I was at Howland High School. And, and, and I'm not following God at all, and I'm listening to them teach. And all I could think is, there's no way that it happened this way. This just doesn't make any sense. There's no way I came into existence or anybody. And I'm not a Christian. I'm living a terrible life, and I'm just thinking, no, that's just not true. And then as I've grown and studied, I'm not a brainiac again, but, you know, I, I love to hear science, and I love to hear very smart people talk about the subject of evolution and other things like that. And when you look at a human being and you look at the world and the animal kingdom, the conclusion you come to is there is a creator and he made us. And, and the Bible goes on to talk about how humanity is different than all the other creation. Listen, listen to this, verse 28. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And so the animals are different than we are. We're to be kind to our animals. We love our pets, and that's all normal, but man is above that. And I'll never forget, my kids wanted a cat. And I remember my daughter, Michelle, was a freshman in high school, or not a freshman, she was in kindergarten. And uh, she's ready to graduate kindergarten, and she's begging us for a cat. Everybody else, all our other kids had begged for cats. So Gina looks at me and says, let's, let's get her a cat. Let's get a cat. And all the kids will have a cat. And Gina and I are clean freaks, and that's why we didn't want a cat. We just, we just are clean freaks, and we just thought of all the germs and everything else and uh, the litter box getting on the floor and, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. And, and so I said, okay, I will. And I start looking, and I found this breed. Uh, the breed behind me, that's an Egyptian Mao, and I love the leopard spots and everything. And, and our cat looked just like that. But I remember calling a breeder, and I called the breeder, and uh, it was near Kent, and I said, hey, I want to buy an Egyptian mouse. She said, great. I said, what do they cost? She said, 400 bucks. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, I don't know if those spots are worth 400 bucks. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so then I said, okay, I need one for a, in a couple days. And she began to laugh at me. She's laughing on the other end. I said, did I say something wrong? And she said, no. She said, there's a two-year waiting list for Egyptian mouse. And she said, you can call any breeder you want. It's going to be two years or more. I said, but I, I want it now. And uh, she said, you're just not going to get one. 
I said, well, put my name on the list. She said, it'll be two years. I said, hey, here's my phone. I'm going to put my name on the list. And I hung up. And, and uh, so she called me in a couple days. She said, I can't believe I'm doing this. She says, I shouldn't be doing this. And I'm used to hearing that. She didn't know I was a pastor. She didn't know who I was. I had never met her. I didn't tell her this is for my daughter graduating from kindergarten, so there were no heartstrings that I pulled. She goes, I just, she says, I just have to do this. I don't know why I'm doing it. And I was thinking to myself, I know exactly why. You know, the Bible says in Malachi and other places that if you tithe and you give to God, he opens the windows of heaven and he pours out a blessing. I, I, everywhere I go, people tell me, I'm not sure why I'm doing this, but I'm going to do you a favor. And I think, I know why. God said he'll bless my life if I give to his work. And so she said, someone had $100 down on one, and they just told me they didn't want it. And she said, I'm supposed to give it to the next person on the list. And you're way, way down on the list. But she says, I feel like I have to give it to you. And she said, I'm going to give you credit for their 100 bucks. You only owe me 300 bucks. And I said, when can I get it? She said, you can come get it right now. So I bought the cat, and uh, I brought it home, and just a little kitten. And I thought, I'll let him sleep with me for two weeks, because my kids were so young, I thought they'd pull the ears off or the tail off. And, so I wanted to protect him. And he would get up in bed and he'd cuddle with me. And I never liked cats. I always was a dog person. And, uh, and this cat was so cool. And uh, they say it's the closest cat to a dog, acting like a dog. And, and uh, he would cuddle with me. And then in the morning, he'd wake me up by pushing his head into my bicep. And then he'd wake me up that way. And we had so many great years with him. And I, rem I remember when the vet looked at us and said, I have to put him down. He's too sick. So all of my kids, four kids and my wife, were in a waiting room, and each of them held Tiger. We called him Tiger. And uh, we're all crying. And then I was the last one, and I was going to hold him, and everybody was going to leave when we, we injected him. And he got into my arms, and he started pressing his head on my biceps, which made me all the more tearful. And I remember holding him. And I share the story for this reason, to tell you I really loved my cat. I loved him and uh, really missed him. And I remember uh, that day when I had to bury him. I just won't forget that day. But, but, if a total stranger were in a house, and my cat was in a house, Tiger, and they were in separate parts of the house, and the house was on fire, and I never met this stranger, but he's a human being, I would run and save the human being first. And then if I could get my cat, I, I would. But if I couldn't, I would have to go after that human being and the reason I would do that, and I think every one of us in this room would do that, is because we have been created in God's image and in God's likeness, and we understand the value of a human life. And as much as I love my cat, I have to put a human being that I've never met, I still would have to put that human being in front of my cat. So I want to help you understand this today. Uh, all murder is killing, not all killing is murder. And I want to help bring a balance to you as we look at the value of life. And I think it's important for us to really understand this clearly, the fact that God established government and he established it to keep order, stop evil, and administer punishment. And when I say God created government to do this, I realize there are bad governments. We, we know that. We live in a crazy world, right? There's some crazy governments out there. Ours is not always perfect. But when we, when we read these verses, it's going to be Paul writing to the Christians in Rome, and they're under the Roman Empire, which was not a really good nation, a good empire, very brutal empire, and yet it's amazing what he wrote to Christians. And what he's referring to is the laws and the rules that a government sets up to have order in a society, and we have rules and laws here, don't we, to keep order in our society? And, 
And so even sometimes bad governments have decent rules and regulations. Now, if our government wants us to do something unbiblical or deny Jesus, we always go with the Bible and we'd say, hey, you're going to have to throw me in jail for that one. But when it comes to other rules and regulations, we're taught to follow them. Notice what God did here. Romans 13.1. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. So God established for governments to set up rules and regulations and have order in a society. Listen to verse 2. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. And I like to put it this way. Every one of us in this room, just about every one of you, I think, can relate to this. Have you ever been on a highway going over the speed limit, and uh, you come over a hill, and there's a state trooper? What's the feeling in your gut, man? It's like, oh, you slow down. And then I know myself, for miles, I'll be looking in my mirror. Did he get me? Did he get me? And I'm nervous, and I'm thinking, should I get off on this exit? I wasn't going to get off on this exit, but maybe I can get off and hide or something. And, uh, and I don't want to ticket, as opposed to you're coming up over a hill, you see a state trooper, and you're going the speed limit. It's like, hey, man, thanks for serving. Appreciate you. Have a good day. There's no fear whatsoever, right? There's, it, it's, it's about breaking the law or not breaking the law. And what God's trying to say to us is he's instituted this to bring justice. And it goes on to read this, read this way, verse 4, for he is God's servant to do you good. That's referring to federal state, could be police officers, deputies, a judge. It's just the law. And he goes on to say, but if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. That would be the punishment side. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. So I think it's fascinating that they're called God's servants. Why, why are they called that? Because God instituted order for societies and governments bring order. Again, there are bad governments, but he's talking about the rules and regulations in a, in, in a society. Verse 5, therefore it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of consequence or conscience. And he's referring to the fact that you and I are a good witness as Christians, and we live a good life where we're a decent witness out there. So government was ordained to bring punishment, and, and that happens with government, and we see that happening all the time with different governments. So let's begin to talk about when it's okay to take a life. And I, I want to read when governments are allowed to take a life. This comes out of Genesis chapter 9, verse 6. This is way in the beginning, guys. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God has God made man. So I know this is controversial in our society, and I want to take some time and talk about it. This is referring to capital punishment, and God is giving permission for governments to institute capital punishment. So you might be sitting here thinking, God tells us life is precious, don't take a life, and now he's saying to take a life. And if, if you don't think it through, it may not make sense to you, but here's, here's what's happening. And, and over the years, I've, had made, I've just thought these things through to, to figure out why, why does God do this? And then as you observe nations, you can see exactly why he does what he does. But you know in the Old Testament where it said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? And then when Jesus came, 
The Jews had twisted that, and they brought it into their personal life, and they were using it to justify taking vengeance on somebody. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. The intention of that was for the judge so he would know what punishment to give out for the crime that was done. And the reason God allows capital punishment is real simple. It will stop death more than just taking that one life because when you institute that, people are fearful. The book of Proverbs says when, when justice is not given, when punishment is not given out in a timely manner, people think they can get away with murder and it just causes chaos and then you have more and more murder. So the purpose is to stop the person that kills from killing more and more and more people. So it's because life is valuable that God allowed that to happen. Now, my brother Tony, he lives in Australia now, but he pioneered a church, or a Bible school, excuse me, in Singapore many years ago, and his daughters were in junior high. They were, they were uh, young kids, and I, I was very protective over my kids when they were young, super overprotective, and I think whenever you were crazy, when you were young, you protect your kids because you know crazy people are out there. So I really protected my kids, really strict, never let them out of my sight. I would take bike rides with them in the neighborhood. I wouldn't let them ride around the neighborhood by, by themselves and things like that when they were young. And my brother Tony was 10 times worse than I was. And uh, so we're in Singapore. Gina and I went to visit once, visit the school. And we're in Singapore and his two little daughters, they jumped into a cab by themselves and they went across the city. Now, Singapore is a, a city nation. The nation is the city. It's this huge, beautiful city. And Tony allowed them to go across the whole city by themselves. And I said, Tony, this is not the Tony I knew. Are you crazy? That's a crazy world out there. And he looked at me and said, Joe, this is Singapore. He said, Joe, if somebody touches a kid here, they're dead by nighttime. He says, nobody will ever touch a kid in Singapore. He says, it just doesn't happen. And it shows you the power of having rules and, uh, you know, making sure they're followed out. I know Singapore is a little intense in some other ways. You know, if I was there, I probably would have been beaten publicly for gum on the ground and things like that. But, but you see the power of people being afraid, knowing that they're going to have to answer for what they did. And that's what capital punishment is all about. How about this? Uh, it's okay to take a life in a just war. And what's a just war? I'm going to do my best to try to help you understand this. Defending your nation. Throughout the Bible, that's very, very just. And delivering an oppressed nation. And I realize some bad nations or any nation can try to spin what they're doing to make it look one way to do something else. But the Bible gives you uh, permission to do that. Psalms 82.4 says, Rescue the poor and the helpless. Deliver them from the grasp of evil people. And God's saying those are just. Those are wars where you're allowed to go to battle. And it's amazing how Jesus dealt with, with Roman soldiers. So think about Rome, this crazy empire, this empire that kept expanding and taking over nations. Jesus comes in contact with them. And I want to read something to you out of Matthew, but I also want to just tell you what happened in Luke. These soldiers were watching Jesus teach, and they came up to him, got, they got him alone, and they said, what should we do, Master? So here's Jesus' time to tell them what they should do. And, and he said three things. He said, I don't want you to extort money from anybody. He said, I don't want you to be a false witness. And 
They would pay soldiers to bear false witness to get people they didn't like in trouble. And then the third thing he said, he said, I want you to be content with your wages. I think that's amazing. He didn't say, um, hey, you have blood on your hand, you're an evil person. He said, hey, be just and be fair with people, be content with your wages. And he honored their profession. And I think that's a statement that's just very, very powerful for us. And one of the things I want to do at the end of this service, guys, is I want to pray for our military, and we'll, we'll pray for some other people too, but we're going to pray for them. And guys in the military that are here, that are listening, man, we, we so respect you. Thank you for serving. There's another encounter Jesus had with a Roman soldier, and I've learned this with the Bible. Sometimes you can learn just as much from a text as by what isn't said as what is said. And take a look at this, Matthew 8, verses 5 and 7 through 7. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Notice how he doesn't say, hey, you have blood on your hand. You're a terrible person. You're a murderer. This guy had to be in war after war. Jesus is honoring what soldiers do. And then listen to verse 8. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I'm under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. So now Jesus is saying this soldier understands faith and prayer and believing God better than all the Jews do because he understood the authority system and how Jesus can speak and things can just change and things can happen. But what we see here is he's honoring the soldier. Here's, here's another uh, place where uh, it's justified to take a life and that would be self-defense. And listen to Exodus 22, verses 2 through 3. If a thief is caught in the act of breaking into a house and is struck and killed in the process, the person who killed the thief is not guilty of murder. But if it happened in daylight, the one who killed the thief is guilty of murder. A thief who is caught must pay in full for everything he stole. If he cannot pay, he must be sold as a slave to pay for his theft. And I think this is fascinating. Here's what Jesus is saying. At night when you can't see, you don't know if the person's armed or not and you have to protect yourself. So he says, we won't call that murder. That's self-defense. But in the daytime, if you see it's a thief, if you see they're not armed, he says, turn them in and they'll be prosecuted and they'll pay back. But he's saying, you can't just shoot an unarmed person. And it's all about self-defense. And the Bible, scripture after scripture, says, hey, if you're defending yourself, and you have, to, you have to defend yourself and someone dies, that's not murder. That's what would be called justified. None of us want to do it, but man, if it was between me or my family and the bad guy, I would have no problem protecting my family because the Bible says that's, that's okay. And I found a scripture that I'm going to use. I'm going to read it right now. And when I first saw it, I was... I thought, where have I been my whole life? Because I've read through the Bible many times, but I never saw it. It never stood out to me. And I saw it, and I said, Lord, this can't be. It cannot be. It cannot be what it's saying. 
So I looked into the Greek, and I checked out every word, and then, and then I looked at every translation, and then I read commentaries to see what all these brainiacs said. And so when I was all done, it said what it said. <laughs> and I thought, whoa, Jesus said this. So let's take a look at it. It's, it's right here. Uh, I, I was going to say, now if you come back next week, I'll read it to you. Here, here we go. Uh, Luke twenty-two thirty-five. Then Jesus asked him, when I sent you out to preach the good news and you did not have money, a traveler's bag, or an extra pair of sandals, did you need anything? No, they replied. So this is back in a time where there was a grace on them. Jesus said, don't take any money. Wherever you go, people are going to let you stay with them. And my grace, my protection's on you. Just go share Christ. And they were totally protected. Now he's letting them know the season's going to change. So he says this in verse 36. But now, take your money and traveler's bag. So that's why missionaries raise funds. And if you don't have a sword, tell, uh, sell your cloak and buy one. That's what blew my mind. And it goes on to say, for the time has come for this prophecy about me to be fulfilled. He was counted among the rebels. Yes, everything written about me by the prophets will come true. So verse 20, uh, 37 translated is this, I'm going to die and go to heaven. And when he died and went to heaven, uh, we entered into another time. And Jesus is saying, I'm not going to be with you anymore. And, and he's saying, there may be times when you have to defend yourself. And he says it's okay to defend yourself. And he's saying, make sure you guys have a sword. Listen to verse 38. Look, Lord, they replied, we have two swords among us. And Jesus said, that's enough. <laughs> he said, you're okay. You're, you're, you can protect yourself. And when I read this, I was absolutely shocked. But on the other hand, I fully understood it. And I want to make sure you understand it. Because when I first accepted Jesus, and you guys heard that little story I told about having a gun that I shouldn't have and all that, um, I was of the belief in my early Christianity that, you know, I wasn't a good Christian if I owned a gun and that the angels would protect me. <laughs> and angels do protect us. But I just had that attitude, I, I, you know, a good Christian with a lot of faith would never need to defend themselves in any way whatsoever. And then, you know, Jesus said to Peter, remember when Peter, uh, they came to get Jesus to crucify him and Peter took out a sword and cut one of the servant's ears off and Jesus healed the ear and he said, Peter, don't do that. And then he said, those that live by the sword die by the sword. And uh, he was just referring to, you know, using it in the wrong time, in the wrong place, using it for evil. And that's absolutely true. But I'm reading, Jesus says, turn the other cheek. You know, we all read, haven't we read those? If someone, turn the other cheek. And so all those are coming into my mind. And I'm thinking, Lord, how do I balance this? And so then God just opened my eyes over the years. And I came to understand the difference and the fact that we're allowed to, to be able to protect ourselves. But it kind of goes like this. Turning the other cheek has to do when someone persecutes you for being a Christian. And so if someone's persecuting you for being a Christian, uh, you can't take out your gun. They call you a Jesus freak, take out your gun and boom, boom, and shoot them. That's not what Jesus was talking about. Um, that's why Jesus allowed himself to be taken and be beaten, be hung on the cross. I know he died for our sins, but that was all persecution. And persecution is persecution. But you know what? If someone tries to break in your house and harm you or your family, that's not the time to turn the other cheek. It's either the time to run or protect yourself. And the Bible gives you permission to do that. And it was amazing as I taught this last night, and then I taught it today, I was shocked. I was shocked at how many people came up to me with tears saying, you set me free, thank you. And it was amazing what I watched because I thought, Lord, I have to teach these Ten Commandments, but I don't know if this is gonna, anyone's going to enjoy this or not. I mean, we're talking about not murdering and, 
And, and yet it's been amazing what it's done for people's life. I had one guy, one of, he's one of my friends, and he's security here. And in the lobby after first service, he comes up to me and says, Joe, he says, uh, the NRA is, NRA is going to write you a check for $250 million for this for this message. And I said, I never even thought about them. I'm not even thinking about that. I'm just thinking, what does the Bible teach about what is murder versus self-defense, just wars, capital punishment? And you know what? You and I live in a world that's upside down. It's crazy. And Jesus said, before I come, it will become crazier and crazier. And, you know, I try to watch the news at least an hour a day, and um, I always pick a program that, you know, it's just full of what happened that day. And I'm just amazed at what's going on in this world you and I live in. If it's not in Iraq, it's what's Putin doing over there uh, in, in Russia and what's going on in another place, what people are doing in America. I saw what happened down in Oklahoma a couple of days ago where uh, a radical Islamic guy, uh, you know, he went into his former place of work and cut a lady's head off or a person, I don't know if it was a man or woman, and he was going to kill some more people. And the owner, thankfully, was packing and he shot him. And, uh, uh, and, and he stopped the killing. And I think we live in a crazy place. But, but here's the hope of Christianity. You guys ready? There's coming a day when Jesus is going to come and he's going to fix everything. And he's going to bring order to this crazy society. And I don't know about you, I'm excited about that day. I wanted to end with a verse that I'm looking forward to. And this verse would be true for the millennial reign of Jesus, but this is after uh, the thousand years are up and there's a new heaven, a new earth and the city, the new city of Jerusalem comes down, hovers above the earth. Listen to Revelations 21, 22. I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day, because there is no night. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the cities. And here's why I wanted to read this. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm looking, I don't know about you, I'm looking forward to that moment in time where God rules and God reigns. And right now, we need our governments to keep order. Uh, sometimes you have to defend yourself. We need military to do what military does. And again, for all the military people here, all the ones listening, guys, thank you so much. And we want to pray for our soldiers today. We want to pray for our police officers today. So let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let's, let's pray for that first. Lord, I did my best to teach a tough subject. And I know for some, it's brand new. They're chewing on it. They're thinking about it. For others, it's confirming what they know. And there's a bunch of us in between, Lord. And just thank you for growing us today and helping us understand some of these key principles Lord, help us to value life. Help us to value life. And Lord, we, we pray now for all of our soldiers who are in harm's way. Lord, we pray your protection upon them. Lord, some people here have children that are out there. We pray your protection upon those kids. We pray it upon all the military. Lord, all the soldiers who have come out, the ones with injuries, we, just, we pray your grace and your blessings upon their lives. We thank you for them. Lord, we pray for our law enforcement. Father, uh, at a state level, we pray at a county level, and we pray, Lord, in the city and township levels for our police officers, all of our sheriffs, our state troopers. Lord, we pray your protection upon them and your blessings upon them.
And Lord, we thank you that you have ordained order in a society. And I ask you to open up all of our hearts to come to a higher level to have this love, Father, for human life and to appreciate people and to see them as valuable, Lord. And I thank you for helping us see ourselves more valuable also. And Lord, we thank you for doing these things in the precious name of Jesus. And guys, can we stay in an attitude of prayer for a moment more? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You know, the Bible says if your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, we just read it, you get to enter into that city. And maybe you're here and you're not sure if your name is written in the book. And, uh, you know, I share a little bit of how I met Jesus. And, you know, I went to church for all those years. And it could be a church like this. It could be any traditional church. There has to be a moment in your life where you make it personal. And it's not enough just to attend a church or be water baptized, all great things. It's not enough just to be a member. There has to come a day when you see Jesus as the Savior and you say, I receive you as my Savior and I make a decision today to follow you. And if you're here and you can't remember when you made it personal, I want to give you an opportunity right now to pray with me and make it personal. Everyone else in the room that has, they're going to pray along with you. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. And if you're saying this for the first time, simply mean it. Everyone else, would you help us and say this after me? Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe and I receive you as my Savior today. I make a decision to follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.